City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are listening to the Hornets and Heartbreak podcast on the All Hornets Podcast Network. One podcast feed with multiple shows, making sure we cover the Charlotte Hornets from every angle. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. The All Hornets Podcast is affiliated with the Fans First Sports Podcast Group. On today's show, we talk about is Brandon Miller the future? Go back and forth on a little bit of a debate there. And also discuss why firing uh, James Borrego was a mistake. That's next. Hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Hornets and Heartbreak Podcast. My name is Mark Bernacki and I'm here with my co-host, Tim Rogers. What's up, Tim? What do you do? Liquor bark. I'm doing pretty well, man. So we are fresh off the Knicks game last night. We're recording on Tuesday. This won't be released until Thursday. Uh, but... Wanted to get it in while the the uh, memories from the game were hot. I was at that game. Tim, I have a few negative notes before we get into the positives because, let's be honest, we're 10 and 35. Uh, there's more negatives than positives. Let's get that shit out of the way. First of all, at Spectrum Center, I have never in my life seen more of an opposing crowd presence uh, at any Hornets Bobcats game that I've ever been to. The crowd was like, it might not have actually been 80% Knicks fans, but in terms of crowd noise, it was entirely a Knicks home game. I'm talking booing Hornets Hornets players at the free throw line. They were chanting MVP for Jalen Brunson, like repeatedly, Uh, not just once, 
like several times. There were MVP chants for Jalen Brunson. I was maybe the only person in the entire stadium yelling things for the Hornets, and like people were laughing around me because I like anytime Brandon Miller would score, I would yell something. Um, and it was wild. It was it was just like a very somber experience, especially in the second half. <laughs> I think somber really nailed it. Um, little confession of mine. Uh, I don't watch the games with commentary on unless like I'm with people. Um, but otherwise, I'll just listen to music or a podcast while I'm doing it. And um, I checked like right before halftime and it was just all these videos, the crowd. And then I turned it on, like turned the audio on. Could not believe how loud that Knicks crowd was, man. That was embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super embarrassing. Like, I mean, even a year ago, like I didn't experience any, any sort of crowd experience like that. Just I'm talking like zero noise for the Hornets. Like they'd be like, get louder. And I'm talking nothing, nothing. Nobody, nobody said anything when we were supposed to be loud for the Hornets. And yeah, it was, it's just like, it's not very fun. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It's not. It's not super fun to go to the game and, and feel weird about cheering for your team. Um, and yeah. Anyways, so they they got pummeled. Uh, one thirteen to ninety two. We had a starting lineup of Cody Martin, Brandon Miller, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, Nick Richards, and uh, you know, big Cody guy. But he's just not a point guard. He had five turnovers last night. Um, I just like cannot believe that that's what this has come to playing Cody Martin at the starting point guard role. Um, obviously, like Miles Bridges, Brandon Miller doing a lot of the ball handling, a lot of the playmaking, but Cody Martin taking the ball up the court is it's just obscene. Like it's just not something he should be doing at all. No, no, and you know, again, not not his fault. Really, just the worst of a sad situation. Um, but at least you know. We had the tag team duo of Frankie Smokes and Ish Smith coming off the bench to settle things down. How'd that work out, Mark? Yeah, so I got some I got some stats for us. Uh, very advanced statistics. Frank Natilakina, Ish Smith, Leaky Black all played eleven minutes or more. Leaky played twelve. The other two played eleven, and uh, all three of them scored zero points. None none of them scored a single point in this game. Um, and yeah. Those first two players off the bench, like I was, I was like, what a good idea! Like zero point guards in the starting lineup. Let's have two coming off the bench because two equals one, right? Now we have now we have at least one point guard out there, um, and it just made like that that lineup makes absolutely no sense. At some point, we played the absolute, I mean, worst small ball lineup in the history of small ball lineups. Ish Smith, Frank Natilakina, Leaky Black, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, like the inverse of the Golden State Warriors in 2016. Like, like the complete opposite of the death lineup. Like, the death lineup, but, like, the self-death lineup. Like, like, like a terrible lineup. There's no size. There's no shooting. Um, and, yeah, not not a fun, fun squad to watch at all. It's not. Um, you know things are really bad because we have – Pretty much no point guards with the mellow being perpetually hurt. And uh, even Isaiah Thomas doesn't bother tweeting at us. He's like, you know what? I would rather be retired. Yeah. Yeah. This all goes back to why did we not sign a backup point guard? 
Okay, so uh, on uh, coming off the bench, the the lone bright spot was Nick Smith Jr. He had six points, two threes, got us the lead for like one second. Um, he's about the only player that I like. I just said the lone bright spot, and he only had six points. Like, it's not a high bar, uh, but he was okay. He was okay. Um, and on on the season, Tim, you pointed this out. He still <laughs> still only has four free throw attempts. Um, he not, he's not been to the free throw line in three weeks. <laughs> well, I think it's even crazier that he's only been to the free throw line twice this <laughs> entire season. Um, yeah, he's like the only guard that played well because Cody Martin's not a guard and he didn't even play well. He had six points, but, but he did okay. <laughs> and he, he had two threes, uh, in that, that little moment was fun. Uh, when we took the lead from the Knicks in the second quarter, um, but yeah, I mean, just complete lack of depth on this team. The starting lineup by itself not very good, but but the bench even even worse. Yeah, and you know, obviously the Knicks they are a more talented team than we are, but they were missing OG Ananobi, Julius Randle, and their starting center Mitchell Robinson is out for the year, and. There are some parallels with Clifford and Tibbs. Uh, obviously, Clifford never reached the same highs. But even like two years ago, people were like, mm, you know, Tibbs, man, the NBA is really just kind of passing by. Like, he's playing these guys too much. Zero creativity on offense. The defense isn't what it used to be. And, uh, you know, he actually turned things around. And then on the other end of that spectrum, there's Steve Clifford, who pretty much is everything that people hate about Tibbs with less success. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. I, I got a couple more more notes. PJ, just not very good, 7 of 19. Uh, would love to see if we get some trade value for him at the deadline. Like, PJ is the kind of player who's talked about, like, he's a 3 and D, like, valuable asset that the Hornets have. Maybe there's still some of that that exists, um, and maybe we could get something for him if we trade him before uh, a few days from now. What's a... Uh... Someone offers uh, 24th pick in the draft. Yes or no? I guess no. Yeah, I guess I guess no, but at least think about it. I'm like, well, you know, that guy could just be the next PJ Washington. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the cutoff is like 16? 16? Does that 16. sound about right? Uh yeah, I don't think we're gonna get that. But yeah, we're not gonna get that. So meet in the middle I mean, of twenty. I do twenty. I do. I'll be in the middle of twenty. I'll, I do twenty as well. Yeah, I mean he's shooting like thirty four percent on threes this year. He used to be like thirty five to forty percent, um, and he's he's had like a little bit of a better stretch recently. Um, I think it's partially like the more is being asked of him this season than in previous seasons, but doesn't mean that like seven of nineteen and some of the performances he have has are like excusable um yeah he's i think a pretty major con- contributor to the team being worse like pj's actual regression over the past two years yeah and i don't think it's fair to put that all on clifford um you know i mean he's still he tries the center lineups and like they're okay i mean i think they're like negative eight but compared to like our negative 12 usual net rating they'd step up but yeah he's just um He's kind of just generational Jay Crowder. NBA podcasters will talk about him like he could be that missing fifth starter on a team. But in reality, he's just kind of inconsistent and disappointing. And 
seems like he's better on defense than he is, but really it's just pretty, pretty meh. And it's like sometimes he gets hot like he did against the Jazz, puts up 43 points in a loss, and then just kind of pitters around for like six straight games. Yep. Yep. No, exactly. It It is discouraging that every time he has one of those massive games, it seems to go like, it's just like one game. Like he has like a 30 point game and then the next game it's like, oh, okay. Same, same PJ. Do you think um, there's a hardcore uh, Hornets fan who's like favorite player is actually PJ Washington? I would say no. I would say I don't think that exists. Maybe like a kid somewhere. It's like, I love PJ. Man, what a sad childhood. Yeah. Uh, okay, last thing that's not, like, important. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know James Book Knight's bad, dude, but – and he has been bad in every single opportunity that he's been given. But come on. Like, we're playing Ish Smith and Leaky Black and Frank Natilakina, and they all scored zero points. In a combined 34 minutes, they scored zero points. Okay, I'm not saying offense is everything, but is there not room for some legitimate book night minutes? Has he been so unbelievably terrible, Tim, that he can't get 10 minutes? He's only played 10 minutes once this season, and he had eight points. That's more than everybody else that I just mentioned had last night. Okay, and I'm not saying he's the savior. Like, we're, we're beyond that. We're not saying, like, James Book Knight's back. Like, give him, give him some run. But, like, come on. Uh, we we didn't pick up his team option. Let him play a little bit. Let's let's see if we can. I mean, we should have done this a month ago. Like, see if you can convince a team to give us a second round pick for James Book Knight. Like, or or do something. I, I don't know. Just don't let him just sit there and not do anything. He played two minutes at the end of the game. He took one shot. Like, just let him play a little bit. I don't know. There's nothing else to do. Yeah, I mean, watching watching a car accident is more exciting than watching traffic or paint dry. So it's like, yeah, I'd rather I'd rather see Book Knight out there for 15 minutes. Let him have six turnovers. Let him go four of 12 from the field and not play any defense. Like, maybe he has something. Obviously, we hearken back to that faithful game against Sacramento his rookie year when he had like 28 points. And it's like, ah, oh, man, this is the spark off the bench that we need. Um, yeah, no, it's just... It's just depressing. You know, I've been one of those people uh, that have kind of been like, you know, man, offense has gotten a little out of control in the NBA. Like, I kind of miss how it was in, like, 2009 when, like, you know, there were still quality players, but, like, you know, it wasn't 130 every night. And now I'm just watching the Hornets try to get 100 points. And I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't mind scoring 140 points every now and then. It's like, maybe I don't miss this style of basketball. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, book night – is not good on defense at all. That's that's why he doesn't play. Well, he's also not good on offense. He's a yeah. <laughs> to, to be clear, he's not good on offense. But just give him like ten minutes for like six games. That's all I'm saying. Give him ten. Give him ten minutes for six games. Give him a little little chance to prove he might be better than Frank Ntilikina. That's that's what I'm asking for. <laughs> you know what? I don't think that's too much to ask, Mark. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, the book The book is not closed yet. We're in the last chapter, Tim. We're in the last <laughs> chapter of the book, but we're, we're not closing the book quite yet. All right. Uh, Brandon Miller has five 20-point games in his last seven. Tied a career high last night with 29. 
Uh, I got to say, them taking him out of the game at the end of the game was pretty upsetting. We couldn't even have a Brandon Miller 30-point game because he just got taken out of the game with like four minutes left. Um, and he has been very good, very good recently. You know, averaging 20 in the last seven since he came back from that injury. Um, and he was the only exciting thing to watch. I mean, Miles Bridges was pretty decent too. Um, but my eyes were just glued on Brandon. I mentioned earlier that like I would occasionally yell something and get people laughing. It was all Brandon Miller related. Like I yelled at Hardenstein that he was too small. A uh, couple, couple other things when Brandon Miller scored. And uh, yeah, he was he was super fun to watch last night. He was he was awesome. Yeah, he is. He um, you know, there were all the like Paul George comps coming in, and people were like, "Man, you really want to take Paul George for, like the second overall pick?" Wasn't super sexy behind Wemby, but uh, you know what? Turns out Paul George has been an awesome NBA player for over a decade, and I'm not saying that Miller is going to be that good, um, but just as far as someone that size that can shoot that well and can put the ball on the floor a little bit, uh, you know, showed some flashes passing. Uh, Miller is that guy. Miller is the reason to watch the Hornets this year. Yeah, and he's a three-level scorer. He can get to the rim. He can shoot in the mid-range. He can shoot the three. Um, and we don't have – I mean, I guess, like, Miles Bridges is the closest approximation to that, but he doesn't even have a mid-range game. Um, maybe it used to be used to be Terry, I guess. I, I, I don't know. But, but Brandon Miller can score from, from every area of the court. Um, like, Lamelo cannot do that. He cannot really score very well at the rim or, or in the mid-range, but Brandon Miller can. Um, super efficient on threes already. And just fun to watch. Like, he had a couple, like, floaters that were contested. He had an and one um, on that possession where Steve Clifford got ejected. He was not uh, – foul was not called, but that should have been an and one. Um, and let, let's just get into it, Tim. He's, he's been awesome. He's, like, the third best rookie. We've said that all year behind Chet and Victor. He's third on the Kia NBA rookie ladder. Um, and here's the question from, from Carson. It wasn't really a question. It was more of a statement. But This podcast is brought to you by AllHornets.com, a credentialed Charlotte Hornets outlet powered by Sports Illustrated. AllHornets.com's aim is to bring you 360-degree coverage on all things Charlotte Hornets. From breaking news, rumors, fan Q&As, and in-depth analysis, AllHornets.com covers it all, and nobody does it better. He said, maybe it's long, been a long week, but Miller's the number one guy on this team. Think his attitude and game could bring this team far with Melo as a sidekick and not the other way around. Think we're going to have a strong core. It should go. Whole Carson part. And then. You did? Talk about, yeah, process. Okay. Uh, three, two, one. I agree with, like, the process of what Carson just said in that we should be keeping Brandon Miller, LaMelo Ball, their top five pick this year, number one pick if everything bounces our way, uh, <laughs> and Mark Williams. And like everything else, you could convince me one way or the other um, on, on every single other player on the team. But uh, the thing that I don't necessarily agree with is that Miller is going to be the number one guy. Um, I think LaMelo has that glued down right now. And for the foreseeable future, unless he starts averaging like 25 a game the rest of the way. Yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely not – I'm not in the camp of people that are like, okay, LaMelo is just like an unserious basketball player. Yeah, he's a loser. He doesn't play winning basketball. Um, I just think that Miller has shown that 
First of all, he plays a more important position. Got more versatility. He definitely has a far better or far higher uh, defensive upside. Um, still, obviously, he's not not showing it fully. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just strikes me as someone that's going to be 38% from three. Perfect guys, too. And even like before the draft, we were talking about this was because we were kind of kind of skewed hive. And our argument was with LaMelo Ball, like, do you ever realistically see LaMelo leading a team to the second round of the playoffs? And we were we were kind of leaning no. And I still feel that way. I don't think he's really shown anything this season. I mean, he has improved his um, attempts at the rim and his field goal percentage pretty much going from like the worst in the league to still below average. But that is still it counts. Um, I don't know. I have a I have faith in Miller Carson. He's a young man. And Mark, sometimes we forget that the youth can see things that we can't and they're on the cutting edge. And I'm riding, I'm riding with Carson. I wanted to pull out this take after like the first week and I just did not, I didn't have the gumption to do it. And I wish I had Brandon Miller is the future of the Hornets and LaMelo is along for the ride. Yeah, I'm, I'm not there yet. So um, in LaMelo, we have a player who was actually the rookie of the year. Um, And I'm not trying to trash on Brandon Miller, but he is the third best rookie in this class. I mean, LaMelo Um, would have been third in this class as well. All right, that's fair. All right, all right, all right. All right. But <laughs> LaMelo, one-time NBA All-Star, um, in a stretch before he got hurt, was playing elite, elite basketball. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head the, the exact he was, number. He was at like 32, 9, and 8. Yeah, exa- exactly. Exactly. So, like, he showed that um, in that in that stretch, like, who knows what would have happened if he didn't get hurt. If he didn't get hurt, is a big leap because he gets hurt all the time and currently has ankle soreness. Um, but, I mean, we, we could just be resting him because the team is giving up. Um, yeah, I still think – I mean, I think it's LaMelo's team for at least another another year until Brandon Miller does something crazy. I will say that, like, his performance this year, like you said, is similar to LaMelo's in his rookie year. The thing that's missing is like the playmaking. So that's why, that's why I think it's still LaMelo's team is that Brandon Miller's shown like little flashes of nice playmaking, but he's basically just a scorer at the moment. And he's not exactly like, I mean, he's, he's on track to be a very good scorer, but it's going to be a while. It's going to be a couple of years. So I don't think it's hand over the keys to Brandon Miller time yet. Um, but like, if Brandon Miller is not close to as good as Lamelo, this team's in trouble, um, and I, that's why I agree with the process. Like, it needs to be, you know, Brandon Miller, Lamelo, and top five pick this year carrying the way for the Hornets in the future. Um, and I think he's on track to be close. Yeah, I would say yeah. If um, if Miller is not as good as Lamelo or very close within the next year, then uh. Yeah, it's kind of in trouble because, I mean, I think LaMelo, LaMelo's probably like, you know, he's a top 30 player in the NBA. Probably not top 25. You know, he's right there somewhere in the back 20s. I don't think that Miller has like that much more to do. And I like the fact that you said a year from now, not the end of next season, but I'm talking post All-Star break next season. I would not be surprised if there starts to be like murmuring and like, hmm, you know, I mean, I know LaMelo was there before and he's got the max deal, but are we sure Brandon Miller's not the best player on this team? Like I bet that starts up like by next February. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I, I mean, I would love, I would love if Brandon Miller could reach that point. I, I just think like I'm still holding out hope that Lamelo will get his ankles right and play close to the level that he was playing before the injury this year. Um, and like I said, he has been an All Star. If it weren't for injuries, would he be mentioned with Tyrese Halliburton right now? I believe so. Like, uh, I, 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 I think so. Uh, dude, I mean, how much worse is he playing right now because he was hurt? Yeah, I mean, Ty- Halliburton did just miss 10 of 11 games. He's not perfect. Um, I mean, like, even Tyrese Maxey was getting more votes than yeah. LaMelo. I don't know. I'm not, again, like, I'm not saying LaMelo is bad, but, like, okay, with Brandon Miller, talk about, okay, so his playmaking needs to get better. And, you know, I think the shooting, it's inconsistent right now still. But, like, you know, assuming that that, um, that, that levels out, and gets to like a pretty consistent base. Okay, so Miller has to work on ball handling, playmaking. What about Lamelo? What does Lamelo have to work on? Scoring inside, um, turnovers, defense, consistency, shot selection. Shot selection, dude. Yeah, Lamelo has terrible shot selection. Okay, okay. What? what aren't, aren't we the podcast that says? Well, he shoots thirty nine percent for three. So. Uh, he does shoot 39% from three. It does not mean he has good shot selection, though. Yeah. I mean, the shot that I think he should remove is, like, anything in the mid-range. I think he just needs to toss that out of his out of his bag. Because um, he has just not shown an ability to make those, like, floaters. They look super cool, but I, I hate them. I, they yeah, I, I, we fought about this for a long time. I, I, secede, I secede the battle on that one. You're right. You won the war. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. He does take bad shots. I mean, dude, I mean, Miller last night took a heat check from like 28 feet. It's not like he's impossible to to do that as well. Um, we were... Mello takes like four a game, though. Mello will just take a one foot, you know, fading three with like 18 on the shot clock. Like you could put that on your bingo card and book that every game. And I sound like I'm too low on the Mello. I am just a little, I'm just a little worn out from this season, man. And it's not his fault. But I don't know. I just want a little bit more. I'm just kind of, you know, the people that really were riding high for him over Ant had to give up that battle. Over Halliburton, ah, had to give up that battle. And now Tyrese Maxey's coming down the pipes. And I don't want to have to lose that battle as well. Right now, right now we're losing it. I hate to break I hate to break it to fucking, you. We got fucking Desmond Bain breathing down our necks. This is not to be anticipated. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. I think it's mostly due to injuries. That's why I'm holding out hope. Um, and I think the point of this whole debate is that this can be a debate moving forward. It's it's reached the point of like, I'll accept it as a conversation. Before the beginning of the season, I just shot it down. But I'm, I'm at the point where I'm willing to talk about it, Tim. We can talk about it now. But Look at this, man. What a nice little therapy session we just had. Yeah, I mean, I still have my Lamelo jersey in my in my closet. I'm I'm ready to wear it again, man. I want to wear it again. Okay, uh, let's talk about Clifford. So he he got ejected last night um, on a play where Brandon Miller looked to get fouled. He went down like holding his head. Watch the replay. He he didn't really get hit in the head. Um, he did get fouled, but he did not get hit in the head. And Steve Clifford just kind of lost his mind. Got ejected. I was joking like. This was not a fire up the players ejection. This was a, I want to leave the building ejection. I don't really believe that, but you know, yeah, it, it didn't, 
we were down by like 30 points. It didn't matter what he was going to do at that point. Um, kind of a useless ejection. But, you know, I've been, I've been thinking, Tim, and, and we had this conversation earlier on the phone. <sighs> Firing James Borrego was really stupid. Really, really stupid. Um, and at the time when it happened, we were looking at it like, oh, we might get Mike D'Antoni. Oh, we might get Terry Stotts. Like, this could be a massive upgrade. And then we got Steve Clifford, and we were both upset about that. Uh, but we didn't realize that it was going to be this bad. And, and I think about this roster, like in theory, LaMelo Ball before Terry was traded, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, Mark Williams, Cody Martin, et cetera. We had so many returning players from the 43-win team. Like, how is it possible that we're so bad? The worst point differential in the league, just so bad over the past 30 games. How is it possible that we're this bad? And I hate to say it, but Steve Clifford, that's how we're this bad. Yeah, and people, people like, even like, you know, we've made the point, well, the East has gotten better. Okay, but it's not like we just brought in like the fucking 1982 Washington Bullets in a time machine. It's like, it's been two years. <laughs> like, you know, it hasn't been this massive cosmic shift. Like, you know, we're playing essentially the same game. And I get it. You know, Book Knight lost, or uh, Book Knight, uh, Borrego lost um, the play-in games by a combined, like, 80 points. Okay, that's rough. But it's like, if you weren't going to fire him before the game, you shouldn't have fired him after the game. And people were upset with his defense. It was like, well, you know, he's just not a great defensive coach. And that's all well and good. But under Steve Clifford, we have the worst defense in the league. We are dead last. We are dead last in effective field goal percentage allowed. Um, we have the worst defensive rating in the league by over a point. We are giving up 121.9 points per 100 possessions. Pretty much 1.22 points per possession, which is like a Steph Curry, Kevin Durant pick and roll. Almost impossible to do. We are 28th in two-point percentage allowed. Teams average 29 assists per game against us we are dead last in three-point percentage teams are shooting 39.9 percent against us that is a whole percentage point worse than the 29th worst team in the league and it's been like that all season this isn't just like a random streak where people have been shooting 45 percent no this has been pretty much since the third game well you think we can't be equally bad on offense well, let me tell you something, Mark. We are 28th on offense, 110 points per 100 possessions. That's like early 2010 stuff. Really embarrassing. Uh, we are last in free throw attempts per game. Dead last with a bullet. Never get to the line. We are 27th in two-point percentage, despite taking the sixth most attempts. And like in like our three-point percentage, I, you think, okay, well, like, you know, maybe we just, we're due for some luck. Nah. We're like 13th in attempts, 15th in percentage. We're right there. We're 25th in rebounding, 26th in steals. Never generate any easy buckets. We're like 13th in offensive rebounding. So our defensive rebound is around like 28th. We literally don't do a single thing well. Speechless. Speechless. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I guess back to the Borrego thing, like for me, in at the time, like we're both I think susceptible to criticism on this because we're changing our mind two years later. We were kind of excited that we were firing him at the time because we thought we were going to get a better coach. 
Um, but man, when the Hornets win 43 games, like message to the new ownership, don't, don't fire the coach. Like it's the Charlotte Hornets. 43 games is a lot of games to win. Um, and the fact that he was fired, like looking back on it, we just entered these two years of agony and pain. And it's not Steve Clifford's fault entirely. Miles Bridges, year-long suspension, bad general manager moves, bad draft picks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, man, the roster was not that different. Like, like actually, you could argue it's better Brandon Miller on the team. Like, and, and injuries and, and stuff also happen. But it's inexcusable for the team to be this bad. Yeah, and, like, it's not fair in the same way it's not fair to be like, well, the Miller doesn't shoot as well as Steph Curry, but it's like, Eric Spolster has this team, like, they have 21 wins. I agree. Maybe that's rough, but, like, they have 16. Like, they're in there. And, like, obviously, Spoh's the best coach in the league. But I think that there's, like, this isn't such a talent-deficient team. Like, it's definitely one of, like, the bottom five teams. But, like, we shouldn't have a negative 12 net rating. No. No. And the way we're losing games, it. I mean, it's just not – it's just not even remotely close. No game, no game is close. Like we were close with the Knicks last night, and I just knew, I just knew that the third quarter was going to happen, and we we're going to be down by freaking thirty points all of a sudden. Um, you know, they scored like fifty points in the third quarter. It was horrible. That's an exaggeration, I think, but that's what it felt like. And uh, like you said, it's not such a talent bereft team. Like Brandon Miller is good. Lamelo Ball is good. Terry Rozier was good. Gordon Hayward's okay. Miles Bridges is good. P.J. Washington's okay. Mark Williams is okay. Like, get some freaking wins. This is not – you have players that can play basketball. Yeah, and, you know, we are – the stats been going around. We are 6-1 and one in five-point games. So, what does that make us? Four and 34 in all other games? Yeah. Like, how? How? I mean, even the Pistons, like – the Pistons will be in games yeah. without Cade Cunningham. Yeah. Like, we have not had a close loss. Do you remember our cl- last close loss? No. I I was going to scour uh, I was gonna scour the game logs. I can't remember who we lost to by less than five points. Yeah, they don't. I mean, neither. We, we, if we lose, and we lose a lot, it's by 20 points. <laughs> like, just consistently over and over and over again. Um. So I, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Where It's Not Break. Oh, yeah. One, one more stat really just to rub some salt in the wounds. Um, we closed out the second half against Houston um, by allowing 83 points in the second half. Just getting completely blown out. All right, well, the team definitely bands together. We're not going to let that happen again. No, we did not. We only allowed 82 points in the first half the next game. That's 165 points in four quarters. For a defensive guru, because God knows he's not doing anything on offense. Blow it up. Trade everybody at the deadline. It's the only it's the only solution. Blow it up, dude. Yeah, we're gonna get the 20th pick, the 28th pick, the 32nd pick. We are going to be cooking. And the first pick. (laughs) And the first pick. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna call on it now as someone who's done less than five hours of draft research as in watch highlight reels uh this draft's actually going to be good whenever anyone says the draft sucks there's going to be like two studs in the top 10 and we're getting one of them let's go let's go
Lone bright spot, Brandon Miller. Going to mention it again. The fact that we picked him over Scoot Henderson is a miracle. Can you imagine this team if we had Scoot Henderson instead of Brandon Miller? Uh, yeah, we'd have to be talking like, well, you know, I mean, he's going to get LASIK this offseason. His eyesight's going to get a little better. He's going to, you know, have a full year to mature. Yeah, that would suck. Thank God we are not the GMs. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, what do you got for Media Corner, Tim? Um, for Media Corner, I'm going to go with an album. It's called um, Silly Love Songs for Unfortunate Breakups. Very succinct title there by Willie Rodriguez was taken. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of like a little, kind of like a surf indie album. But uh, yeah, it's 26 minutes, 10 songs, and it just uh, really breezes by. A little sad, a little goofy, and a lot about just drinking liquor and skateboarding with your friends. What uh, what you got? Incredible. Uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Watch it for oh, the first really? time on Saturday. Yeah, enjoyable movie. Um, yeah, I we played I played a drinking game actually to that movie. Not exactly the kind of movie to play a drinking game to, but uh, we uh, we wa- me and my friend watched it from like ten to twelve on Saturday night, just chilling, and it was it was good. I really liked it. First time I'd seen a Coen Brothers movie. The uh, the Coen Brothers they're reuniting after breaking up. Are they? Yeah, yeah, they broke up for a couple of years, and now they're reuniting to apparently do like a very gory horror movie. Interesting, interesting. Okay, uh, I'm well. Let's talk about Buster Scruggs here for a second. That's okay. About- um, really loved the first vignette of the gunslinger. Thought that was so cool. Gonna be honest, falling asleep to it three times. Never make it past the Liam Liam Neeson Carney scene. The Liam Neeson one is the worst one, I think. The it's worst, tough, the worst of the six. Yeah, it's just super dark and and like no dialogue and repetitive. A lot of snack. um, yeah. The the Liam Neeson one is is a tough watch, but. Story four, five, and six, they all hit. Five especially, five hits. You got to watch five. I will I will finish it out one of these days. Finished up Boardwalk Empire, which I'm sure the listeners were really wondering if I was going to close it out. But, um, yeah, so everyone watch Boardwalk Empire. Just I mean, don't, don't even email us about the Hornets. Don't message us about the Hornets. Let me know what you think about Steve Buscemi. Do, do message us about the Hornets. <laughs> at Hornets Podcast on Instagram, at Hornets Podcast on Twitter, or you can email us at hornetsandheartbreak at gmail.com. Um, it has been real, Tim. <laughs> it has been real. Real sad, Mark, but it's been a pleasure, man. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You be safe out there. Peace. Peace. Hey.